Thank you very much. It is an honor to be able to be with you all today, and it is very exciting to uh, be, as I understand it, the second undergraduate college, is that right, in the United States, to have an iPad rollout? Did I hear my facts right? Maybe? That's what I heard. Um, first? First, even before anybody. Well, um, does anybody have a QR code scanner app on your iPad? If you, if you want to go ahead and open that up, I'm going to show you a QR code in just a second where you can get these slides. Probably the easiest thing to do when it comes to using iPads and maybe even any kind of technology is get really excited about having the technology. And that is something to be excited about. But my message today, hopefully that you'll hear, is that the key in terms of student learning is not just that we have technology, it's what we do with it and hopefully how we use it to create new knowledge and, and have different ways of letting students create knowledge and then being able to share that. I didn't put this in my slides, but if you uh, want to Google iPad with Wes, you can just put that into Google. I have a whole website, iPadWithWes.com, and when you click apps at the top, those are all my recommended productivity apps for everything from class collaboration, notes and word processing, and you guys I know have some specific ones that you're doing, file sharing, mind mapping, uh, news, task managers, all that kind of stuff. And I am going to be sharing some apps today, um, but... The focus is not just going to be on the apps, it's going to be on what do we do with these apps and how could that improve student achievement and also help us meet these common core requirements. So if you've got a QR code scanner and you want to scan away, you can uh, go ahead and um, scan that. I also tweeted the link to these slides just before we got started. So um, if you uh, Google my name and Twitter, my Twitter ID is WFryer and you can you can uh, obtain a copy of these slides. <clears throat> I went ahead and shared this on SlideShare, which is a free place to share slides, and I like it because it allows the links to be clickable even on the iPad. One of the things that we're going to talk about today is accessibility and how important it is that we make our content accessible to students. I would argue one of the easiest things to do with technology in the classroom is waste time. Even what we're doing here, it's a revolution to be able to scan something and immediately go to the site. One of the last things you want to do with kids is, okay, guys, open up your web browser and go to www.n. You know, you give them the address. It's just going to waste time. So being able to use a tool that can quickly get students somewhere is good. But what are we going to do once we get there? And one of the great things that we know we can do on the iPad is get information. But I'm going to be talking a lot today about creating information. Um, turn to your neighbor, and I want you to, and you probably, maybe you know your neighbor, maybe you don't. Some of you may be by yourselves, you're going to have to shift a little bit, because I don't want somebody left out. I want you to share with your neighbor, what do you think is the most exciting thing that students you teach will be able to do with an iPad, if they have one? All right? Take about 60 seconds and talk to your neighbor about that. Go. All right, my bell didn't go off, but that's okay. You guys still got quiet. There we go. As long as I've got volume for the movies later. Let's get a couple answers. What did somebody say? Volunteer your neighbor. You don't have to speak now. You can point to somebody else. What did they say that was compelling and should be shared with the group? Yes? Uh, we're special ed neighbors, so we talk about how it can be used as a communication device or it can be used to kind of level the playing field. Okay, so be specific with that. As a communication device, how? It can be a text of speech. Okay, awesome. 
Yeah. My, I have three kids and my seventh grade daughter just last week discovered Dragon Dictation. How much is that app? Free. What can you do? Speak. And it converts your words. And so guess how she did her social studies assignment on Russia, you know, this weekend on one of her iPads. She talked and said the words and it went in, copy and paste into her document and she got it, you know, put in there. So definitely a, a communication tool and one that can also meet student needs in different ways that we haven't been able to do. We can't always take an oral, you know, test and oral exam. What's something somebody else said as an exciting thing students can do or with their iPad? That was a student answer. How about a faculty answer or an older, older person answer who's not a student? You can volunteer your neighbor. You don't have to speak yourself. Okay? <laughs> Who said something compelling? I heard you guys talking a lot. So, by the way, this is called wait time. Have you talked about this? important? I have a textbook on my iPad Okay. To have textbooks on so they can have them electronically. Um, you all ever have heavy backpacks going to school? You know, again, my kids, the weight, we need to make a movie of this actually and show the weight of our new Common Core textbooks is just, you know, it's atrocious. And unfortunately, we don't have classroom copies with older textbooks. Sometimes they'd have a classroom copy that could stay, and so kids didn't have to bring their textbook. Guess what? We only got one copy, so they have to come back and forth. So there are several ways. There's a lot of ways that it's going to be exciting to have a digital mobile technology in the hands of every student. And let me tell you, I'll show you a map here in a little bit of our Oklahoma schools, um, of which I'm aware, that have tried to be one-to-one where every student has a mobile device. Um, and we've got different pilot initiatives that are going. Um, it's extremely rare to find a school today in the state of Oklahoma where we have everyone with a device. Um, anybody know how many public districts we have in our state, approximately? Just ballpark? 570. Over 500, yes. And the number is somewhat going down because of some consolidations, but it's over 500. I'm thinking it's around 525 or something like that, but it's, it's over 500. It's a lot. And very few of those have uh, mobile technology. How many of you have teachers with an interactive whiteboard of some kind, um, a smart board, a Promethean board? Okay. Um, how many of your teachers use that pretty much as an overhead projector? Did you have anybody do that? Okay. The most natural way for us to use technology is to accommodate and use it in a way that we're familiar with already. We're familiar with the overhead projector. So guess what? I can use my smart board that way. That's true. Uh, you mentioned textbooks. We're used to textbooks. And we think, well, we can now make our textbooks digital. What I'm going to encourage us to think about is not just the accommodating ways we can use technology, doing things we've already done before, but the transformative things, the things that weren't possible before because we just didn't have the tools like that text-to-speech. That's an example. Being able to talk my essay, there's a a friend of ours whose um, son is severely dyslexic, and because they have an iPad in their family, he has done some great creative writing. He's really got a mind to, to create ideas. But if he was limited to just writing by hand, he might not be able to express that. So all, overall, I want to encourage us not to be so enraptured, and adults can, uh, older adults tend to do this too with the technology, um, that we don't look very critically and carefully at what we do with them. Because there are a lot of schools and districts in this country that have bought whiteboards. They spent thousands and thousands of dollars. And the parents come in at PTA night and what do they say? Oh, look, it's a whiteboard. I can touch it and it'll move. But do they ever let the kids touch it and use it? Are the kids up there doing things? Are they creating content? 
Uh, let's think about how things can be transformative. You have 15 seconds. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them an example of cognitive dissonance that you've had in your life. I'll give you 30 seconds. Go. Okay, time's up. Anybody have a good example? Yes. How's, how's right now a good time? What? I'm looking at this picture. What does it mean? Or, you know, maybe we're sitting in desks and we're kind of packed in together and... Um, I don't know. If I handed out paper, that might be a moment of cognitive dissonance. Wait a minute. I thought we were digital, green. You know, it's, it's when two things are mashed together and they don't quite fit together. All right? So I'm going to tell you a quick story about cognitive dissonance. Because, by the way, one of the things we need to do is tell stories. And we need to use media in ways that amplify stories. How long have we been telling stories to each other? Forever. How does every major religion in the world convey its truths? Through stories. Our brains are wired for stories. So I'm going to tell you a story. Anybody flown overseas first class? Okay, I've only done it once. October of 2011, Qatar Airlines being flown to Qatar, which is on the Arabian Peninsula. I learned they don't always say the Persian Gulf. Okay, they they call it the Arabian Gulf if they're they're not liking Iran very much. Uh, But this was flying back uh, all the way to Houston from Qatar. And, I mean, this is not my normal life, okay? So this was a, an amazing opportunity to go do a little conference, um, a mid-level conference there. And literally, I'm, I'm sipping champagne, having, friend, having a shrimp cocktail, and we're flying over a rock. And I'm thinking about soldiers. I'm thinking about classmates and friends that I have that have served there and other people who are there. The media system on this plane has hundreds of movies, and it has thousands of songs. And two of my options are Lady Gaga's latest album and the Holy Quran. In what language? Arabic, why? Because it's blasphemous to have the Quran in any other language according to is the Islamic faith. I cannot have it in English. This was a big moment of cognitive dissonance for me. And it started me thinking, goodness gracious, if I think we're in culture shock with new technology, try Cutter, where in the same generation, some of the moms and dads driving Hummers because everyone in the country is a millionaire and the custodian at your school probably makes more than you do as a teacher or principal when they grew up, were Bedouins who might have been responsible to bring the camels in at night into the tent. And now they're living in a new home, literally driving Hummers. They're all over the place. Oh, my goodness. So, I don't think our culture shock is quite that extreme. But the choices that we have in front of us, the choices you have today with an iPad connected to the Internet, especially on an unfiltered connection. You think your kids at school when you're teaching are going to ever have an unfiltered connection? Of course they will. Why? Where will they get an unfiltered connection when they leave school? Where? Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody encountered the content filter in school growing up? Yeah, you know about that. Where do you think kids today encounter an unfiltered connection? At their house. Where else? Maybe at Panera. Maybe at the library. Maybe at a friend's. I mean, there's all kinds of places, right? So we have a day today that I'll argue is fraught with both opportunity as well as challenge. 
Let me show you a quick video. This is called Vibe Guys 2012 from Google. Anybody seen this? Okay, a couple people have. Um, it's a nice summary of what we searched for last year. Now, I could have given you a PDF file that listed the times and dates and statistics that went with those events. But what I want you to talk with your neighbor about, why did it matter that we used media instead of text to present those ideas? Okay, 30 seconds, talk to your neighbor. Okay, let's get a couple answers. Anybody prefer the PDF, just digital text version? Would you have preferred that? Anyone? Okay, why did this matter that it was media? Volunteer your neighbor. You don't, have to, you don't have to share. Point. Nobody's been volunteering. School teachers do this all the time, huh? Yes. It was quicker. You saw the video. You saw pictures. So it meant more. Okay. How fast is your brain? What's your brain speed limit? Does your brain speed limit exceed my ability to speak? Okay. I did speech and debate in college, and I can talk kind of fast. But probably so. There was a lot more content complex content that was presented in a short amount of time. Why else did that matter? Yes, ma'am. I think it's the emotion within you that you It is. I mean, some of those, when, when um, the guy's lining up to, to race and you're seeing um, his prosthetics and some of those other images, they're powerful. And with music and the way that that's portrayed, it evokes a reaction that maybe the text can but probably not within the same short amount of time. Anybody else? How about this? That's kind of a yucky link to type, wouldn't you agree? Okay, but you have it now, right? If you've got the SlideShare link, you've got the slides, you can click the link. You can now see this. You can rewind this. You can go back and see whatever part of it you want, share it with others. This is called a URL shortener. I've just kind of registered my own site to do it rather than using tinyurl. Anybody use tinyurl or bit.ly? What could happen if I get one letter wrong on those? Ooh, you're going to somebody else's site, aren't you? (laughs) Never type in an address that you haven't tested first in front of an audience. Don't do it. Okay? Ever seen a teacher do that? The fact that we can now put video online and we can access video online and you can say something to somebody like, oh man, did you see this Zeitgeist 2012 video? And they're like, what is that? Just Google it. Holy cow. That's a tremendous thing. And so being able to not only experience content, but being able to re-access it and share it. Anybody here on Facebook? (laughs) Right? How hard would it be to put that link on your page, share that out, put it on Pinterest, put it on Twitter? It's amazing how fast we can share things. Now, there's a dark side to that, too, right? When you were in high school, I'm not saying this happened to you, was someone in your school involved in a sexting incident where a photograph was taken? And suddenly the next day, guess what? Hundreds of people had it. You know, there was a a fellow in my men's group in Edmond. His granddaughter had to leave Edmond North because what? The boyfriend forwarded to... Just a few friends, and it was all over the school. These are powerful tools which can be used for good or for evil. And part of our job as teachers is to help kids learn to make good choices because they will be off the filter. They will be outside the school. We're preparing for life, not just for the test. I know that's a bit of a, you know, 
revolutionary thing to say in today's political climate, but it's true. So choices and challenges. We've got a lot of them. And I am so excited for you to have iPads and to have faculty with iPads, and not just with iPads, with a passion for embracing the opportunities of today. See, what I showed you is not like, oh gosh, you know, in the future with the Jetsons, it's going to be 10 years. No, that's today. And your ability to take content and show content like this, but also get your students to create it, is today's possibility, not just tomorrow's. I wrote my first book two summers ago in 2011, and it's called Playing With Media. And at the end of the session, I'm going to give you a free download code. And actually, now that I think about it, you're going to need to wait till uh, I don't, <laughs> I was going to make this active right away. I have a free download code to be able to uh, download my book um, till tomorrow at midnight. And the book is called Playing With Media, and it's about how we need to be digital pioneers. We need to be mapping this new world of learning. And we need to use digital text, images, audio, and video. But the new project that I have is called Mapping Media, and it's looking at specific products that students can create. And so I had a very uh, sort of optimistic, I want to do all this stuff in one hour, and I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, I was going to do a five by five, and we're going to kind of do like eight things. Um, but what I want to do is give you five pieces of advice, and then I want to show you some specific student products created digitally, many of them with iPads. And the three we're going to do are ebooks, interactive writing, and narrated slideshow. And so that's my plan. And I tend to talk too much in my introduction. I think I did that again today. So, first thing. Consumption versus creation. My creation there at the bottom is a little bit low. Everybody knows the iPad is great at what? Consuming. Give me the content. Give me my ebook. Give me my video. Let me get the content. And that is great. But overall, we need to shift to students not just consuming content to creating it. Have you heard the quotation about education not being like filling a pail? It's like lighting a fire. We need to help kids learn to be lifetime learners, and part of how we do that is by helping them create content, not just wait for us. What was that, Mr. Fryer? Dr. Fryer? Whatever. What was the assignment? You know, can you tell me this? Can you tell me that? Sure, I'm going to help kids get answers, but we want them to be, you know, to have the initiative, to, to, to not just be completely dependent upon us for learning. I would go so far as to say learning requires creating. Who studied Bloom's Taxonomy? Do you know most of the teachers that you'll go join in the classroom studied it before 2001? A lot of them did. Can't really say most, but a lot of them did. What does that mean? Well, creation wasn't at the top because that's what Anderson and Crossball did in 2001 is they made all of these, not really verbs, they're gerunds if you're an English person, but these are all action, right? Create, evaluate, analyze, apply. And what do we test the most? What's the easiest to test? Knowledge and comprehension. But we need kids to do these things just in college, right? Just learn to evaluate when you get to college. No, you need to be evaluating now, solving problems. Um, and when you do these higher order thinking skills, a lot of times you can learn these lower level things even better. There's no panacea. Just because you tell your kids, guess what? We're going to create a narrated slideshow today. Is it just magical? Suddenly the work is incredible. I can't believe the quality. No. But there's a good chance that let's say you ask kids to create a short video, a public service announcement. It's going to be 30 seconds long. What do you think is harder? Write me a five-paragraph essay about the impacts of smoking on your lungs 
or create a 30-second public service announcement. Probably harder to do that media piece, especially something that's shorter. Second piece of advice. You are needed for the learning revolution. Who got trapped in the Sinai? This is a Sunday school quiz for you. Who got trapped in the Sinai for 40 years, according to the Bible? The Israelites. Why did they get trapped there? Because they messed up. Right? And that generation was not allowed to pass into the promised land. I have heard Alan November, who is a very noted educational technology expert, talk about changing our schools like the Israelites in the wilderness. Saying, we're just going to have to have all these teachers die off until finally it changes. Guess what? Who do you think you're going to student teach with? An experienced teacher who is probably not getting to learn and do a lot of the things you're going to do right now in college. You have an important role in helping change not just the way we get our textbooks in school, but the way we do school, the way it's blended. Because see, it's not just face-to-face now. It can be asynchronous online as well as face-to-face. And so I don't completely believe that, but I do know there are a lot of folks that don't want to head into the promised land of blended learning. Okay, They're comfortable where they're at. And so... We need you for the learning revolution. Statistics say, how many of you will leave the profession of education within five years? How many of you? 50%. Okay, that's national. Now, I'd like to know what the Oklahoma statistic is. Guess how much more money you can make when you teach in the Dallas area than in the state of Oklahoma. Do you know this? $10,000. Guess what a lot of you will do? Forget Oklahoma. I'm going to Texas. I came from Texas. Been here seven years. We're needed everywhere because education is a mission field. See, our kids don't just need to be put on a computer and said, here, we're going to turn you on and and leave the room. They need you. They need me. They need a relationship. They need someone who's passionate and committed to them, not just to teaching content. And so iPads are exciting, but there are some things I would recommend that you consider as you look for schools. Who's heard of OETT? Anybody heard of this? You know about the K-20 Center? Some of our most innovative schools have received money from the, the, the state of Oklahoma and administered through the K-20 Center, and there's a map. You can find those. Now, there's no guarantee you go to one of these schools. Uh, you're going to have folks that want to embrace technology and embrace new ways of learning. But guess what? We've got seven elementary schools in Yukon. Two of them have carts of iPod Touches. Guess which ones they are? The schools that receive the grants. So when you're actually looking for schools, you can find out what schools are out there, whose leaders are out there looking for technology resources and looking to do things different. I said I would talk to you about one-to-one schools. In 2010-2011, we had 19 Oklahoma schools receive thousands of dollars to give laptops to every single 7th and 8th grade student. Anybody know where the closest one to us right now? Where is it? And It's in Norman. What's the name of the school? Longfellow Elementary, what kind of laptops do they get? Netbooks. What's their experience been? It's been bad for everyone who's gotten, um, well, I I can't say that. Uh, Grandview has had very good experiences with their netbooks. Who's done that study? Anybody know you've done that study yet? We need to do that. We need to find out what is working and what's not. Because a lot of these schools are not using their devices. If you were to go out here to this school right now, 
Where were the iPod Touches? What happened to the devices that they bought? Why aren't they using them anymore? This is Iowa today. One-to-one schools. Okay? Oh, hello! We've got a long way to go. And just giving kids and teachers devices isn't all that we need to do. We need to do a lot more. But my point is, we need you. This is, this is my son, Alexander. When he was in third grade, he's a ninth grader now. And this is his teacher, Miss Fitzgerald. Let me tell you, Miss Fitzgerald wasn't a great teacher because she had a smart board. She wasn't a great teacher because sometimes she showed videos in class. You know why she was great? Because, and this is my opinion, we could ask him, but I won't, I'm not putting him on the stage today. I think it's because he had a relationship with him. She challenged him. She learned what his interests were. She differentiated what they did based upon, to a degree, him. Okay? And relationship is the key. So amidst all the excitement about technology, and we've got reason to be excited, remember that. And remember, we need you. We need you to remain passionate about teaching and learning and kids, not just today, not just tomorrow, not just in five years. We hope for your whole life. Okay, lifelong learning. I want to invite you to two specific conferences that are coming up in February. This one has just been announced. Has anybody heard of an EdCamp before? Anybody heard of an unconference before? An unconference is an event where we don't plan the schedule in advance. We come, we write up stuff that we want to talk about and learn. We say, anybody teach us about this? Great, let's go meet and learn about that. And it's going to be at Yukon High School on Saturday, February 23rd. You can Google EdCamp to find it. Heartland E-Learning is going to be the next week at UCO. And those are the two that I'm aware of, um, spring conferences that happen in our state that help us learn more about educational technology specifically. If you look at the fall, what month are all these in? November. One of the best conferences right here in Norman is the Interactive Learning Institute that the K-20 Center puts on. But the Oklahoma Technology Association puts on a conference now with Encyclopedia. The Distance Learning Association does, and the State of Creativity does as well. So I want to challenge you to not wait till your school provides that professional development day. How many days of PD do most schools get? Five. Okay? And it's sad when sometimes we say in January or February, oh, man, I'm sorry, we're not going to have another, we don't have another PD day. We've used that up. Guess what? We need more opportunities to learn than just those formal learning. And then the next thing I want to encourage you to do is, Build your personal learning network online and find online ways to be able to deepen your learning. How many of you are on Twitter now? When I heard about Twitter, I thought it was so stupid. Why do I want to know what you had for breakfast? I don't, you know. I I don't really want to know that. But suddenly I learned, not suddenly, over time I learned, people are sharing all kinds of things on Twitter that have a lot of educational relevance. And so just this Saturday morning, I listened to a man named Joe Dale, who is from the Isle of Wight in the UK, give an incredible presentation about iPads in education. And that was through Classroom 2.0 Live. It was a free webinar. It happens every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock Central Time. The K-12 Online Conference happens in October each year. There are hundreds of videos that they have um, that teachers around the world have made about some of the most innovative learning practices. I'll give a plug for Alexander. He did one about Minecraft. Do you know anybody playing Minecraft? Are there any Minecrafters here? Okay, is Minecraft cool? It's amazing. Why? Because creative people are doing amazing things with it. And teachers are even using Minecraft now in the classroom and letting students create stuff in Minecraft and then show that. 
And so Discovery has something called the DEN, the Discovery Educator Network, and Edutopia is the George Lucas Educational Foundation. Just like the sessions you're going to see after this with a lot of apps, people are going to throw a lot at you. Is there any way you'll be able to go back to this? Yeah, you got the slides, right? And it's a lot to process at once. But this is really important, continuing to learn beyond what we're, what we're having to do for class and for our degree. Next thing is to share openly. You have 30 seconds. Tell your neighbor or ask your neighbor, what in the world is that? What does it mean? Go. Okay, whose neighbor had an answer? Somebody have an answer? Come on, somebody, somebody had the answer. Really? Probably one of the most important things that all of us as educators need to know. And guess who's going to be able to tell your faculty when you get hired as a new teacher? It may be you. Have you heard of Open Educational Resources, OER? These mean resources that are openly licensed and shared. Um, Open Education Week is coming up March uh, 11th to the 15th of 2013. And don't feel bad. A lot of people don't know about Creative Commons. It's a licensing way of showing the world, hey, you can use my stuff, just give me credit. Or just don't use it commercially. Or you've got to share again when you share it. That's called share alike. And so we have got to educate each other about open education. Why? How many schools are teaching Algebra 1 now? Oh, all of the high schools are teaching Algebra 1. Oh, but it's really different here in Norman compared to Oklahoma City, right? Maybe some, but to a large degree, that curriculum is very similar. So when curriculum is created and shared and it's licensed openly, guess what? We can all use it, and we can all build on it. And this is a big part of the learning revolution. As you do projects on your iPads or whatever you're going to use, I encourage you to share what you create on sites like Curriki. I encourage faculty to encourage students to share. I worked for five years in the College of Education at Texas Tech and saw all kinds of students, just like I had in my program, create thematic units. Anybody do that? You do any thematic units? Nobody? Okay. Do you guys, I saw a hand. I mean, in different classes, that may be an early childhood class, that may be a reading class. I mean, you create units that are things that you may teach in, in the classroom. Guess what? There are teachers out there right now who would love to have somebody come show them or provide for them resources that tie into a specific skill or tie into a particular subject. And we're building content together in places like this so that everybody doesn't have to make a new Algebra 1 curriculum, or even buy an Algebra 1 curriculum, okay? Here's the last thing. Do we have any Apple folks in the room? Not yet. Not yet? Okay. They may get upset at me. Um, I don't want you to be an accessibility snob. What do I mean? The latest Pew Research says over half of adults in America have a smartphone. What's that going to look like for your students when you get out? I don't know. I don't know what your situation is going to be, um, but even when we look at situations of high poverty, guess what families are choosing to spend some of their money on? Mobile devices and Internet-capable mobile devices. So these numbers are continuing to go up, and I believe providing access to content is important. I love Apple. No, that is not my tattoo, okay? I love Apple. And you will be hard-pressed to find someone in the state of Oklahoma or the Midwest who is more passionate and excited about Apple tools and uses Apple tools all the time. But guess what? When I teach a class, I typically don't have the luxury of saying, oh, this is just on the iPad because you guys all have one. My students have all kinds of things. 
So as we create content, let's think about openness. Let's think about how, yes, we can make an ebook for iBooks. But can that be a PDF also? Maybe not with all the features, but could I still make that accessible? Could that be on a Google site? Could that be, you know, open that up in your Android device? Open that up in your laptop? Sure. So think about those things. All right, that was my soapbox. And now let's take a look at some examples. Mapping Media to the Curriculum has 12 different products. And this is a very ambitious idea. But I think we should redefine digital literacy today. Do you remember when Microsoft Office, the older, well, that's the older folks, do you remember when Microsoft Office was it? Maybe it was in your high school. Was Microsoft Office what they taught you? <sighs> okay, we need to learn productivity tools, right? But is there anything else? Anything else like media production? Anything else like interactive writing? Anything else like hyperlinking? Most schools today still are teaching productivity. We need to shift. And if you are digitally literate today, I will argue you should be able to create, produce, and share many of these things. And we're going to talk about a couple of these. But first, any X-Files fans? The truth is out there. Did you know that? Somebody knows. What is it about instructional technology? Some people will tell you, if you buy this, guess what happens? Scores go up. Is that true? Absolutely not. Larry Cuban did a study in the early 2000s in Silicon Valley. Do you think they'd have a lot of technology there for their schools? Probably. Okay. The mere presence of technology tools and computers does not lead to increased student achievement. There have been no advances according to Cuban. And that's a little bit dated. Here's Michael Horn. He's one of the co-authors of Disrupting Class. And I'm not going to read this to you, but this is what we typically do with technology in school. What do you think we mean when we say cramming? Oh, that's how you solve that geometry proof? Well, now you can just use this technology tool to do the exact same thing. We cram them in to do the same thing we've done before, only it's digital. Is it wrong to word process when I used to write a paper? Heck no. It's great. Anybody like a typewriter? Anybody have one? Some people do. Like there's a renaissance and people, some people like are, they, they love typewriters. I don't really want to ever use one again. Okay? I like editing digital text. But this is the way we tend to use technology. And so giving kids tech does not lead to improved learning. Here's what does. When you use the tools in appropriate ways, Marzano's book, Classroom Instruction That Works, is a meta-analysis of research. And when we do things like provide recognition, increase parent involvement, increase student time on task, oh my gosh, what happens when we increase student time on task? They learn the content better. And technology can be used in engaging ways to get students to do that. What is non-linguistic representation? You have 15 seconds. Ask your neighbor. Go. Okay, time's up. Answer is... Well, give me an example. What's non-linguistic representation? A picture. A picture. What else? Something that doesn't have what? What's linguistic? Language, words, something that doesn't have text. What's representation? Communicating something. Communicating without text. Communicating without words. If your students can represent the ideas that you're trying to communicate, and I'm not even saying iPad technology, but they can draw it, they can do it without words, they can visually represent it, guess what? 
That's a good strategy. That will increase their understanding. You're going to get a window into what they know and they don't know. Do you think technology can help us do that well? Absolutely. My favorite app, by the way, for drawing is called Brushes. It's not a free app, but it is amazing to see what people can create with brushes. If you'd really like to get into this, I'd invite you to be the fifth person worldwide to read my dissertation, and it's available free online. Let's talk about ebooks, okay? Um, these are all sort of entry-level things to do. Interactive writing, make a, tell a story with five pictures. We're going to jump first off all the way down here. And these are more advanced things, but they're also the sexier things, all right? They're the cooler things. So let's look at an amazing ebook example. Um, I've been wor- working with students to do ebooks for a while. My, my daughter, when she was in second grade, made a book called Meet Snowflake. Um, we registered a website. I helped kids in her class record their voices with books that they did. Um, here was my epiphany. Guess who did most of the learning if dad did most of the work for this? Dad. Okay. And when we weren't using the iPad, I had to do most of the stuff on the laptop. But when we found an app, book creator for iPad, which would allow my daughter and her classmates on their own to be able to take a picture of their picture and then press a button and record their voice and say, and listen to it, oh no, I don't want that, let me do that again. Guess who was doing most of the learning? The kids were. And that's what we want. So because of Twitter, I got a tweet last week from Cynthia, who's a teacher in Indonesia, telling me about Jane Ross, who also happens to um, teach in Indonesia, and she's also an Apple Distinguished Educator, who is doing a wonderful project called the Backpack Classroom. And this is now a free book called Our Batak House, available in iTunes for free, and I've given you the link in your slides. And um, actually, if you'd like to go ahead and scan it, you can do that if you want to do a QR real quick. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to mirror my iPad and go ahead and show you this book. Um, I'll bring that up again. And it, it, this is in the slides. But I'm going to go ahead and turn on mirroring. I don't have an Apple TV up here. What I've got is a $15 program that's called Air Server. And what Air Server lets me do, if my Internet didn't go down, which hopefully didn't, didn't go down, I think, sorry, it's not, what app are you using to scan? Okay. My favorite app for scanning has become Enigma. I found there's, it, it kind of varies depending on which app you're using. Um, and if you don't get this right now, that won't be the end of the world. Um, we can get it later. I'm now in the iBooks application. Um, do you think it's a big deal that I can wander around the classroom and be wherever and show my stuff? Is that That's huge, right? Because proximity makes a difference as a teacher. Because if I can come down here and check out what we're doing, that is much better than being tethered at the front of the room where I have to be plugged in. So this is called AirPlay. And no, you don't have to have an Apple TV to do it. Um, you, I'm running a $15 program called Air Server, and there's another one called Reflection App, and that lets me mirror. Okay, so here we are. This is an enhanced ebook. Our Batak House. We live in this house. My name is Dr. Sierra Bach. 
I'm not going to do the whole thing, but I'm going to give you 60 seconds to talk to your neighbor. Number one, what do you think are some of the good literacy skills that kids can develop making something like this? That's number one. And number two, why is this a big deal that it's in two languages? Okay, talk to your neighbor about that. Okay, time up. First question, literacy skills. Give me some of them. What, what kinds of good things are students doing creating an ebook like that, an enhanced one? Oh, nothing, Wes. It's just as good as a worksheet. You can, like, communicate with different people. Like, I always come in, like, uh, Yeah. What about the kids, though? What are the kids doing? This is common core. Um, They're going through the writing process. So independent technology, going through the writing process and creating a written document that's then shared has a lot of value. Somebody else is going to add something. Right. How many times did they um, record each one of those? Do you know? No. You just get to see what? The best one. The one they wanted to go with. One of the things Common Core asked us to do is to practice oral language fluency and our presentation and communication skills. Guess what? We have had cassette recorders for how long? A while. Did you often have a teacher ask you to record something on cassette and turn it in? A couple of people were nodding. Was that a language class that that happened in? or? Okay. Generally, though, not that often. So there's a lot of valuable literacy things that we can do as we engage not only in the writing process, but we also add this layer of oral communication. So here is your homework, and I'm going to get uh, to, to go 10 more minutes. We're going to stop at 3.10. Your homework is, and I'm very serious about this, and of course I have no authority and uh, anything, whatever, so this is just me saying it. I would love, so let me say it this way. I would love for you to give some feedback to Jane and her students. Because when I tweeted her, she was so appreciative for the feedback. People do not comment that often on student work. 
Okay, I've given you the link. Jane's uh, Twitter ID is Jane in Java, and her link is longer to her blog. She's got the story of this, how this is created, and this whole thing. Give some feedback. What do you think that'll mean to some of these kids in Indonesia if some folks in Oklahoma have read their work and give them some feedback? you think that'll matter at all? Yes, it will matter. And so this is also a good example of why interactive writing is important and why we can, we can use it. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Um, a few other links I've thrown in here. Um, I've got a website called eBook Sandbox. These are examples of other student eBooks. I'm going to add the uh, backyard ba- uh, backpack example to those. They published a second one um, as well. Um, I had an opportunity to present for Library School Journal in October in a webinar, and our session was called Maker Culture in the Library. In fact, they talked about Minecraft as well as ebooks and things like that. And so I've given you a link to that audio recording if you want to check that out. Here are the two apps I recommend. The first one is Book Creator. This is, this is the only app I've found so far that allows students independently to be able to put in pictures, text, and their voice and then be able to share that. Um, this is the second one. This one will actually work on an iPad Touch or an iPhone, but Creative Book Builder, you kind of have, you, you uh, make a lot of the pieces other places. You, you're, you're assembling here, right? You're taking pictures, you're taking text, and then you're recording something with it. There's a lot of planning that goes in before you're opening the app and creating something. But those are both good apps for eBooks. And I've got a link here that has lots more resources about um, creating eBooks. Also, on Friday, if you're not going to class from 9 a.m. to noon, um, I'm going to be at Northwest Library in Oklahoma City, and I'm going to uh, be doing monthly free meetups called Playing with Media Meetups, and I'm just going to teach anybody who wants to come how to make enhanced ebooks, okay, just like that one. So you can share the word. I think it, um, you all may have gotten an email about it, um, and I'm just excited to be able to share uh, more of these kinds of things with more folks. So let's talk a little bit about interactive writing, and we may be, we may be done. Um, ebook, how much time do you think those books took to make, like we just saw? Quite a bit of time. Lots of planning. Pictures. Editing. Recording. Right? Lots of stuff. And one of the things I believe about technology is we shouldn't just have big projects that take several weeks to do and only do a few of them during the semester. Instead, we should also be doing small, quick things that we can do today. We've got 45 minutes. Let's make a five-photo story. Okay? Let's do some narrated art. I want you to visually draw that concept and then talk about it and narrate it. And that's what my breakout session will be about um, later this afternoon is about narrated art. But let's talk about interactive writing. By the way, I don't say blog because what happens when I say the word blog for a lot of folks? They get scared. Do you know what a lot of people in Oklahoma think about right now when I say Skype? They think about Oklahoma Baptist University and what just happened this last week, current events. The judge ruled for the folks that were using Skype to get these girls to take off their clothes. And I literally talked to a teacher this last week. She said, I, heard, I don't know a lot about this, but I heard about Skype and I know the predators use Skype. That's what she knew about Skype. Okay? <laughs> When I say blog, some people just think, oh, diary, uh, I don't want to mess with that. Okay? Interactive writing. We're writing with who when we're interactive? With other people. Do you think that's an important thing to do? Do most kids in Oklahoma today get to do that? Like on a weekly basis. Get to write and other people get to comment. 
Or maybe they are writing a poem with somebody else. That's happening everywhere, right? Absolutely not. It's happening almost nowhere. And that should change. We're not going to do this survey, but this is a survey I've done several times with teachers saying, how many assignments last year did you invite your students to share on your class blog? This was Houston, Texas, Fort Bend ISD, last June. 78%. Don't do that. Don't do that once. Don't do that twice. Don't do that at all. Now, this summer I was at the Discovery Education Network's Summer Institute in Montana, and this was their response. 75 respondents. Anybody use poll everywhere, by the way? This is a cell phone polling thing. It's cool. If we had more time, we could do one. But I want to show this, okay? This was not your normal distribution of teachers. 39% more than five times using their blog. Quick story. And I don't know if Alexander's been here to help me tell this story. This is uh, Philmont last summer when we went backpacking uh, with the scouts. When he started eighth grade, his teacher had him write a poem called The Fire. Oh, The assignment wasn't write the fire. He wrote one called the fire. And she had them type it up, and they put them around the classroom. But we have had a family learning blog, a site where I have my kids. I basically force my kids to engage in digital literacy, okay? You you know, post this here. And so Alex posted this poem on our site. And I sent a little, well, I sent a tweet out, but I won't read you the whole thing. These are just a couple of the verses. There's some strong language here, Right? Like a lion preparing to strike. And unfortunately, we had a drought last summer again, and hopefully we're not going to have another drought this year, but all right. It was a powerful poem. Quick tweet. My son posted a poem. <clears throat> These are comments, three comments that came in. Who do you think Nana is? <laughs> That'd be my mom who lives in Kansas. How often does she get to see something her grandson writes for school? Probably never or very rarely. So she leaves feedback, but what's this? Joyce McGreevy? What a powerful narrative poem, Alexander. Marvelous use of figurative language and suspense-building repetition. Thank you for sharing it with us. Keep writing. You have a gift. Best wishes, Joyce McGreevy, author, Sierra Club Books, and editor of National Geographic School Publishing. What are they paying people at National Geographic to do these days? Oh, look, this was at 9.38 p.m. Central Time. She was on her own time. Do you think this was a big deal at all? I don't know. Again, I'm not going to make Alexander take the stage and talk about it, but I think it's pretty cool. I know at least this is a big deal, okay? The fact that my mom is able to see this and then talk to him about it. Does student achievement have anything to do with parents and grandparents talking about schoolwork? Is student achievement related to that at all? Yes. If you can get your parents more involved, more aware, talking to their kids about what... What do kids always... What do parents often say when kids come home from school? What did you do today? Nothing. This is a window. This is a window into something we did. There's a great project that's now on Twitter called Comments for Kids. If you search Twitter right now for the hashtag comment, pound sign, comments, the number four, kids... You will see results of teachers all over the world, and this is, you know, it's not like this is 50% of the teachers in the world. I bet it's less than 10%, probably, I don't know, maybe less than 1%. But the teachers that are using blogs, have you seen uh, Shrek 1, the movie? You know the DVD when Donkey's jumping up, he's saying, pick me, pick me. Anybody else know that? This is kind of what this is. It's saying, come look at my blog, come look at my work, come give me a comment. 
And this is a wonderful way for us right now to connect to classrooms that are using blogs. My favorite tool and the one I recommend that you use and even uh, use it in your classes with professors is KidBlog. It's free. It's connected to Google. So if your school is using uh, Google Apps, you can just log in with Google instead of a separate login. This is what we use at UConn. And uh, just a couple fast stories. Um, this is Ms. Hoagie's fifth grade blog at Independence Elementary in UConn. Uh, do you think there's OU fans in... Um, Shana's family. No, I think maybe we have some OSU fans there. Uh, but Shana, uh, her family can click on her blog, can see posts that she's written, can read poetry and other things that she's posted. We set up a showcase for learning for UConn last spring, and this was one of the posts we, po- we shared in February. I have not met Cooper. I don't know what the impact of this was on his life, but in January, he had a definition poem called, What is a Champion? And his teacher, Miss Callison, wrote, Cooper, you've done an outstanding job, da-da-da. What's this? Cooper, you've been a champion in many sports. Your hard work and dedication has paid off. But more important than sports is the fact that you are a champion at heart and a champion as a person. Keep it up, Hammer. Dad. Who cares, right? That doesn't matter. Dads all the time are committing in text, in public, in front of the peers of their children, how proud they are of them, aren't they? No, they're not. This is a big deal. How much did it cost the school to do this? Nothing. But it took courage and a lot of coordination in the school for the websites to be unblocked and for the teachers to help you know, have some coaching and some assistance so that this was a positive experience and not a negative one. So if we had more time, we'd talk about that. I think it's a real big deal. Here are some apps that are great for interactive writing. Do you know what the cost of all these are? Who's it? Okay. These are all free. KidBlog has its own app that you can connect and your students can connect as well. It's built on WordPress, and so you could use WordPress, but any WordPress site uh, that you create or students create can use. Google Drive is Google Docs, and you can now use the app, which came out in September of last year, September of 2012, to what? Edit together, right? Collaborate together on spreadsheets, on documents. Edmodo and My Big Campus. And I think the last thing I'll have time for is just to show you a very quick video about Google Drive for iPad. Google Drive is the place to store all of your stuff. Everything that needs to be tracked on a single computer at home or in the office is available for you to view, edit, and share from any device. And now with the Google Drive mobile app, your stuff is also available wherever you are. You can search for, open, and share files, and even make them available online. When you take photos and videos, just upload them to Drive for safekeeping, organizing, and sharing, right from your phone or tablet. And with our editors built right into Google Drive, mobile collaboration is easy. You can create new documents, make edits, change formatting, and even leave comments. In spreadsheets, you can edit cells, add new rows and columns, or create completely new files. You can even do your presentations, see animations, and rehearse speaker notes on the go. To get the most out of your files from wherever you are, install Drive on your Android device, iPhone, or iPad at google.com slash mobile slash drive. All right, so lots of different options for interactive writing. 
Um, I was a little bit uh, ambitious, and we didn't get to narrative slideshows, but that's okay. Let me just close with a couple thoughts. Um, we need to map media to the common core. The common core has language that opens the door for digital literacy, but it doesn't say stuff like kids need to be able to interactively write and respond to comments and appropriately um, navigate an interactive digital world. It, it has some, some language that opens that door. Uh, it talks about oral language fluency. That's a big thing. But it doesn't say use digital devices. It does say publish. It says they need to publish work you know, openly online. But there's not a lot of fleshing out of this. Um, I want to invite you to TEDx here at OU. It's going to be in two weeks um, on the 25th. And uh, anybody been to a TEDx event? Anybody heard of the TED conference? I think it costs like 3000 6000 maybe to attend in California. Okay, I think it's $100. But students, I think it's $40 um, for OU students. So that's an opportunity to, to be inspired. I'm going to be talking about storytelling and education there. Um, here's your code. It's very complex. It's OU Education. And um, I will get that activated to be good through midnight tomorrow. And you can download um, the iPad version. It's a $15 ebook. Um, you can download it for free. You can also download it for Kindle. Um, you guys all have iPads, so I would recommend the iPad version. But um, you may want to do that from a home connection because if you're all on the same connection, I think it'll let like 15 people do it. Um, but it, it, uh, that'll be active through um, the end through midnight tomorrow. Thank you very much. All right, so we're going to do a little change. Here's what I want to.